Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2004. This probably isn't for you. By Joshua Fields Milburn of theminimalists.com. And I'm your narrator, Justin Mollick, reading you blogs every single day of the year. We have a bunch of shows covering different topics. Just search for Optimal Living Daily in the podcast app of your choice and follow or subscribe for free to listen to tons of great content being narrated for you and some even in Spanish. Now today we're 2004 episodes in and something that's always bothered me is how some amazing articles are way back at the beginning of this podcast and I felt like I needed to do something about that. Some of these authors gave me permission 2,000 episodes ago and have narrated a lot of their work, sometimes almost all of it, and so long ago that these amazing pieces of work get lost and not listened to. After all, they're five years old, and it's rare for people to go back to episode 100, for example. Plus, 99% of listeners haven't heard every episode. If you're one of the very few that has heard every single episode, do let me know. But anyway, on that note, I've narrated this one before that we're gonna hear today, and occasionally, I'll probably do this in the future where I repeat an article, but that's because I think it's really good, and I haven't visited it in a very long time so I probably forgot it. It's definitely happened before on accident where I narrated an article a second time and I didn't even realize it. And I think one out of like 75,000 people did realize it. And who better to do a repeat episode than The Minimalists, the very first authors I got permission from to do this podcast. Seems like a good fit. So with that, let's revisit this post together as we optimize your life. This probably isn't for you by Joshua Fields Milburn of TheMinimalist.com. Bex and I are 15 feet from the bandstand, waiting for one of our favorite musicians to take the stage. A sizable crowd is congregated on the dry grass around us, and my back hurts from all this standing on unforgiving turf. Beyond the platform, the sun is setting behind clouds that look more like pastel sand dunes than collections of condensed water in the atmosphere. I'm fidgeting slightly in anticipation, hoping I didn't waste my money after witnessing the forgettable band that opened the show. I hope this turns out to be a good concert. Wait, a good concert for whom? Don't get me wrong, the opener wasn't bad. They were well-rehearsed and well-dressed, and they performed with vigor. But there were too many electric guitars, for my taste. The songs were too heavy, for my taste. And the drums were too, um, drummy, for my taste. My taste. But most of the crowd wholeheartedly enjoyed the opening band, drummy drums and all. I've attended at least 100 concerts in my lifetime, and most of my fondest memories are of discovering gifted opening acts who surprised me with their music, even though much of the crowd was fidgeting for the headliner. So just because I wasn't entertained by this particular band, that doesn't give me the right to snarkily critique them. No, if other people took pleasure in their set, then that means it simply wasn't for me. 
and that's okay. The same seems to be true in a broader sense as well. My favorite movies, books, and songs are not objectively good or bad, and yet you may not get the same value from them as I do, and that's okay. If you don't enjoy them, then they probably aren't for you. They're for someone else. So don't waste your time. Let go. Move on. But while you walk away, you need to deprive the rest of the crowd by casting shade on the maker of the thing. Ditto for whatever the minimalists create, our documentary, our TEDx talks, our podcasts, our books, this blog. As long as Ryan and I can look ourselves in the mirror and honestly say, quote, we believe this is exceptional, this piece is absolutely the best we could have done given the resources we have, unquote, then we will give ourselves permission to release our creation to the world, warts and all. Millions of people have found value in our body of work, but if you don't, that's okay. It isn't for everybody. The more you create, the more you will be criticized. And that too is okay, because some criticism is helpful, especially when it's solicited from people you trust, evaluators who help build your building taller, stronger, better. This type of criticism is rare, and that's what makes it precious. Other criticism, however, is a greater reflection of the critic himself. The trolling, the indignation, the tearing down of buildings. These are all neon signs that say, this isn't for me. So next time I get ready to feebly condemn someone's work, perhaps I should ask myself, is this objectively bad or is this just not for me? If it's the former, then I must ask, how can my critique be useful? Because if my feedback is only veiled venting, then I've done nothing but contribute to the recreational outrage I so despise. If it's the latter, then perhaps I'm best served by keeping my mouth shut and looking for something that is, in fact, for me. And next time someone criticizes you, consider this. Your creation probably isn't for that critic. It's for someone else. Suddenly, a spotlight illuminates the stage, the main act mans their instruments, and I'm back in the moment, buoyed by the increasing roar of the crowd. The music starts and is truly outstanding. We're all singing along off-key to every chorus and begging for an encore when the lights go dark. This definitely was for me. The opening act wasn't though, and that's okay. Sometimes we have to wade through the waters of dislike before we arrive at something we love. You just listened to the post titled, This Probably Isn't For You, by Joshua Fields Milburn of TheMinimalists.com. Take it to Joshua and Ryan, of course, the other half of The Minimalists. I do remember this article, but obviously forgot the details And it's a great one to hear again, I think, because it's a perfect example of this podcast and what I'm going through right now. Some people hear it and move on. Others listen to a few episodes, some hundreds, and some even thousands. Now even some of you hearing articles for the second time. For me, this is the best I can do at this given moment. I'm producing seven shows now. My narration talent is probably as good as it's gonna get. Hopefully I'll keep improving, but this is what I got now. I hope you like it. But if you don't, it's okay. And I hope you have the same attitude for your own work or anything you do, really. We can't please everyone. And if we're growing and improving ourselves, that's all we can do. Don't let the critics ruin your day. I know I haven't. So thank you for not being one of those critics and for sticking around. It means a lot. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you tomorrow for Minimalist Monday, where your optimal life awaits.